Hey Seth, thanks for joining me for this City Road podcast chat in the Amplify Tin Sheds Gallery Takeover. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It looks great. <laughs> I mean, I was here a few days ago and I loved it. <laughs> so just over in the corner over there, we have the Radio Redfern documentary screening and that's a story about a lot of things really, but part of the story is about the way that that radio station helped organise some parts of the 1988 Australia-slash-Invasion Day rally. So some of the things they did were, um, as Aboriginal people came from all over Australia to that event, they asked them to tune into the radio station and for updates on where to go. At one point in the documentary, you see someone put a call out, can someone bring down a car to bring food over to yeah. La Perouse? Um, so people can come in and watch that documentary and we've done a couple of screenings of it and we've got a whole panel discussion. Um, Binui Tiger Bale's daughter hosted a whole session with Radio Skid Row about that documentary. Didn't really want to talk to you so much about that, the way the radio station was implicated in those events, but did want to talk to you about the 1988 Australia slash Invasion Day protests and yeah. an event itself. Could you... Just sort of walk me through that that whole event. Absolutely, yeah. Well, firstly, thank, thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to be here. I'm a long-time listener of the podcast, so I'm um, happy to be here. Um, yeah, I guess I did a study into the 88 um, convergence for my honours thesis in 2021, which I'm now converting into a, a PhD project. Um, and I guess the spatial dimensions behind the 88 convergence are, are really interesting to look at and that's what I'm focusing on but to give a quick more general um, overview of the event basically 1988 it's the bicentennial year of Australia it's you know the government decides they want to have a huge 200th birthday party to celebrate how far this country has come they've invited um, now King Charles um, and his former partner uh, Lady Diana along um, they've decided to throw this huge celebration at Sydney Harbour. Um, alongside this, they've you know, committed millions and millions of dollars to updating buildings. Darling Harbour gets huge refurbishment, I think it is, or like, you know, gets sort of built um, in this time. Um, and across the country, there's, there's all sorts of um, programs. Um, part of this as well is a private company funded um, a replica of the Endeavour ship. So they actually build it over in the United Kingdom and they um, actually set sail and come to Australia again. Um, so this is the Endeavour is the ship that Lieutenant Cook sails right. to Australia and maps the east coast of Australia with. So it's basically a recreation, you know, of the colonial invasion That's or right. part of it, if, if you want to put it in those That's terms. Right. Yeah, and I guess where the 88 story starts, uh, we can go to... La Perouse, which is where the Endeavour actually sailed in, um, in at, at the first point of invasion, uh, but also when they did the, the reenactment. Um, La Perouse has this deep history of, uh, of Aboriginal resistance as well. Um, it's quite central to, to the story of La Perouse. Just one second, I'm just going to halt you right there. We've just got some <laughs> music coming up in the space. I might just turn that down a bit. Yep. One second. No worries. 
All right, so we've uh, just turned the music down in yes. here, this space, because it's a live gallery, can do uh, weird sonic things at any moment. So you're talking about Aboriginal people coming from around Australia yes. and basically congregating in La Perouse. Yes, and I guess, um, yeah, I mean, I, I briefly touched on, you know, the significance of this event to colonial Australia, but in the, the significance of this event to Aboriginal people, like, you know, it's obviously... Uh, the inverse of what it means to, to colonial Australia. They viewed it as, you know, a marker of the moment of dispossession, of invasion, and, of course, an event that had to be protested. Um, so the decision to protest it actually came six years earlier, at, in 1982, where there was a convergence against the Commonwealth Games um, in Brisbane. And you had Aboriginal people, again, converging from across the country, protesting at the event. And at the conclusion of those protests, they resolved that they would converge again for 1988 in Sydney. Um, and, you know, this is coming off, you know, two decades now, the 60s and 70s of very militant um, Aboriginal protest in Australia. You have the Black Power movement emerge in Redburn in the 60s, and of course the huge land rights protests um, in the 70s um, that really, you know, sort of shook the foundations um, in, in a really solid way. So. You know, Indigenous people had really begun to, you know, militantly protest for what they wanted um, by this point in the 20th century. Um, and through this protest, they developed these sort of communities, these places where they were able to politically educate themselves and also organise protests that they wanted. So there were two of these spots that I sort of looked at in particular in Sydney. Firstly, it's Rekvan, just around the corner from here. Um, and secondly, it, it's La Perouse. Um, which has this yeah, long history of Aboriginal resistance from dating before the mission program, dating right back to the point of invasion, uh, where you have the Khmer people um, actively resisting the first, the first colonists. Um, so, yeah, I mean, going back to 88, um, they all chose to converge at La Perouse. It was, you know, sort of the safe harbour of Indigenous uh, political culture. Um, it had the space to accommodate people coming from all over, um, and they chose, you know, we'd converge here and then we effectively plan out what the protests will look like and then we'll go out and protest. Um, they, yeah, I mean, as you touched on, ra the radio skidrow was super important um, in helping coordinate all this. They all converged in, in Lapa and took it from so there. People, so Aboriginal people come from all over Australia. They meet up in La Perouse and they organise themselves there. And in the radio documentary we see people organising food and tents and yeah. so they set up a whole community. Yeah, what, absolutely. What happens then? Yeah, so it becomes a big community. They have these huge organising meetings, you know, hundreds of people discussing what do we want to do. They already had general ideas. They'd been planning this for six years, since 82, um, but they still had these discussions. You know, there's, there's photos of kids running around while these big political decisions are being made. Um, and, yeah, they effectively decide to go ahead and protest in the city. But I guess one thing we do see that's important to touch on is um, a minor political split emerges. Um, you have the, the Redfern mob, who are at this point sort of considered to be a lot more militant um, than maybe some of the other political actors operating at the time. And they sort of make the argument, we have to protest as close to the colonial celebrations as possible. We have to get right in their faces up in Sydney Harbour and really take it to them. 
Um, and then you have, I guess, maybe a more moderate group of people, which is sort of the official organizing group. And they're saying, well, we'll start in Redfern, that Redfern Park, that's sort of our community, that's a place of safety for us, and we'll march um, to Hyde Park um, and have like a bit more of a classic demonstration, a normal demonstration. What ends up happening is both plans go ahead, actually. Um, so the Redfern crew, they actually set up a tent embassy um, in Yurong Point, which is uh, Mrs. Macquarie's chair right up in the domain. Um, there's, a, there's a really hilarious moment in the documentary where they're talking about setting up this tent embassy in Mrs. Macquarie's chair. Yeah. And someone says, Mrs. Macquarie's chair, she should have just sat on the lawn, lawn like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> well, apparently the history behind the chair is quite literally she got her servants to carry out a oh, chair right. for her because she likes sitting on the point. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it quite literally was just a chair. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and yeah, they decide to head out. Um, the, the Red Crane crew, that, that demonstration is a lot smaller than the, the main demonstration, but about a thousand of them, they reckon, marched um, right up into Mrs. Macquarie's chair. They have multiple scuffles with the police along the way. They get to Mrs. Macquarie's chair, which had been designated as a place for uh, people to come along and watch the actual main colonial celebration happening. So there's clashes with, you know, very racist um, colonial um, individuals, I guess is how I'd put it. Um, but, you know, they, they don't care about that. They, they really resist. They, they light flares. They get into Sydney Harbour. They're throwing stuff at the boats. It's, mm. I don't know, there's some pretty... They're, they're in images. your thesis, uh, your honours thesis, which I examined, by the way, yes. <laughs> which, uh, and learned a lot, a, a lot about this moment. I was really... It was a real pr privilege to read that work. There's this photo that struck me that I'd never seen before with Aboriginal protesters on the shore mm. and the endeavour in the water. That's right, yeah. And then there's a police boat in, in between right. both yeah. of them. And I would just, just it, that photo was just working on so many different Absolutely. levels. It's yeah. also like, what was the threat? What, did they think these people were going to swim up to the endeavour? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, there's some great imagery that's come out from that moment. Um, it was far more confrontational and it really represented that, you know, the underpinnings of, of black power that emerged in Redburn in the yeah. 60s. Is, am, I, am I right in saying that this was sort of one of the founding moments of what we now know as Invasion Day, this political twist on Australia yeah, Day? Absolutely. Um, so I guess going over to the other protest now, the sort of the more moderate one, um, although I don't think it really is moderate, it's more moderate compared to the other one. Um, the other one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this one eclipses the first protest in numbers. It's about 40,000 as opposed to 1,000. Um, and there's a huge contingent of settler Australians who joined them. And this is a real key moment for exactly that happening. Before this, a lot of protests obviously have non-Aboriginal people involved, but never at this scale, at this level. Um, it marches from Redfern Park to um, Hyde Park uh, and has, you know, speeches from very prominent um, Aboriginal activists. Um, it's obviously far less confrontational, but it's the one that is sort of viewed as the main protest on the day. The other one sort of gets pushed to the side a little bit. This one's sort of viewed as like the big 
demonstration. Um, they sort of termed it Survival Day at the time, but a lot of people also termed it Invasion Day. Um, there's a little bit of debate over what's the more apt term for it. Um, and I guess it comes back to the, how the political actors chose to frame it at the time. Um, survival sort of has these connotations of we are here, we've survived, and we're going to continue to survive, whereas invasion is, puts the framing back onto the colonizer and says, you invaded, um, but we're going to resist that. Um, and that's where we get the term Invasion Day coming up. A lot of people still use Survival Day these days as well, but Invasion Day has sort of become the more prominent one. And I think that's fair, you know, putting, putting it back onto the colonizers always um, means, you know, the focus is on them. And I think that's how you can achieve what you, what you need to achieve personally. Mm. Um, and yeah. then what's the aftermath of this? Yeah, so immediately you see this normalization of Aboriginality in the city. So I think a lot of the political actors, a lot of the protesters were very emboldened by how successful both actions ended up being. Um, that night in Redfern, you see spontaneous street, part, street parties. They, they take the streets, they're you know, having, having their beers out on Rayton Street, I think it is, in, in a street party. The police try to shut them down, but get heckled out of there immediately. Um, and it's a real spontaneous reclamation of, of the land, really. Um, similarly, down in La Perouse, um, you actually have uh, a bunch of campfires that light up a party that goes the entire night. And this, that to me is a really amazing thing to know about because that, that's where Cook landed first. And then here it is 200 years later, 200 plus years later, really. Um, and you have you know, these Aboriginal people joyously staking their claim to, to, to their country. Um, so I think that's really special. Um, in, in the longer term, just uh, right around this time, the 1991 Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths and Custody is announced. Some people say that, you know, these big protests really played a role in um, having the Royal Commission sort of like, um, sort of sped along, I guess. Um, so th there's that as a very tangible outcome. And then also, um, I guess just lastly, it just, yeah, it really normalised, started to normalise Aboriginality in, in the city. Which I think is is really good. Mm. Um, yeah. So where you obviously did that work for your honours, and now you got a PhD. I guess the question really for your work and for us is, like, how does this moment fit into broader social movements and broader broader movements around Black Lives Matter and, and stuff? I guess yeah. is that where you, you're going to be pushing this into? different places now yeah absolutely work. I mean after 88 we sort of don't see a protest titled Invasion Day in Sydney until like the the 2010s really there's sort of a pause I think there was a lot of sedation that came with with the Royal Commission people sort of thought you know something's going to happen we can sort of um, chill out a little bit and I mean, like the recommendations of the, the Royal Commission make a lot of sense. Uh, they're, they're very supportable. It's just a shame that no government is willing to actually implement them. Um, One of the things in the documentary which is confronting is just the way that history is repeating or rolling on. So we have protests around Australia Day mm -hmm. and celebrations of Australia Day and and that goes on and we're still talking about change the day. There is a whole moment in the documentary around 
Aboriginal deaths in custody mm. and, and this goes on. And so one of the more confronting parts of watching that is to realise that actually we're, we're still fighting these battles. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, still today, everyone, every um, Indigenous protest in Sydney is calling to enact those recommendations. Um, it's a crisis that is absolutely still ongoing, getting worse, really. Child removals are, you know, still a serious problem in Australia. Uh, you have the Northern Territory intervention, which is sort of actually the impetus to um, start Invasion Day protests again. Uh, at the start of the, the 2010s, um, yeah, we see a real escalation in, in the Northern Territory in terms of the treatment, uh, in terms of the poor treatment of Aboriginal people up there um, through, through the intervention. Um, and that leads uh, political actors across the country to start protesting under this banner of, of Invasion Day. And now that's something we see every year because of how necessary it is, unfortunately. Um, and then of course, come 2020, we see the, the Titanic 2020, um, the Black Lives Matter protests um, begin. And that really, um, yeah, it was quite an explosive moment across the world. I don't think, uh, I think most people would pick quite across that. Um, but yeah, it's all, it's all renewed calls um, for at real action on deaths in custody in particular. In New South Wales, that won another, yet another inquiry into um, deaths in custody uh, and what reforms could, could be made. Um, and yeah, I mean, not much has really come of that uh, at this point either. So yeah, I mean, mob are gonna continue to protest until those, um, those demands are met. And I think that extremely reasonable, you know. <laughs> hey, Seth, thanks so much for joining us and talking us through that. If people want to come down, they can check out the, the documentary, actually, Radio Redfern is screening on a loop in here. It can get a bit noisy, but you can actually sit down and have a look at it. And we'll have to get you back on the podcast to talk about your new work at some point, too. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Dallas. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>